Malachi 1, 1 through 5, the same verses as last week. This is the NIV version. A prophecy, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob. But Esau I have hated, and I have turned his hill country into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Edom may say, though we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of God. You will see it with your own eyes and say, great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. Amen. Thank you, Jana. We're going to look a little closer at these verses this week. Just a note about the whole uh, appointment thing. Uh, Mary and I really feel at peace about that, and, you know, um, I always, we're, we're like a bad habit. We just keep coming back. <laughs> so it'll be fine. I, I, yeah, we're, we're blessed. We are blessed. So this week, uh, I want to finish what we started last week. And last week, I spoke about when you doubt God's love uh, from that wonderful, wonderful Old Testament prophet, Malachi. Or do you say Malachi? And we started with the first four sincere, the first of four sincere statements about God's mighty love. So I want to review that first statement a little bit. God loves you with a sovereign love. And we talked about Jacob, I have loved. Esau, I have hated. And we tried to make a little bit of sense out of that. And we talked about what that doesn't mean. You know, it doesn't mean that God determines that one baby goes to heaven and the other one goes to hell. Some call that unconditional election. No, the weight of Scripture says that God wants all people to be saved, that all would come to repentance, that none should perish. And we talked about the fact that God draws all people to himself, but not all people come to Christ. Why? Because many people resist the grace of God. And it's not that they could not come to God, but they would not come. They refused to come. They willed not to come. Before Stephen was stoned as the first Christian martyr, he said in Acts chapter 7, verse 51, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you're just like your fathers. You always resist the grace of God. People say no to God all the time. We noted that the Apostle Paul endured everything for the sake of the elect, that they might be saved. He suffered, he was beaten, he fasted, he prayed, he was with great travail, he was stoned and whipped, he spent nights, you know, pickled out in the Mediterranean Sea, he was in prison and jail. Why? Why? For the sake of the elect, that they might be saved. We said if God would just save the elect anyway, why didn't Paul just lighten up and go fishing? (laughs) we've talked about the fact that you and I have a responsibility (laughs) to the point that people may go to hell if we don't tell them. And Paul said, I'm innocent. 
of the blood of all men, I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole counsel of God. And we also said that election is based on foreknowledge. We're elected according to the foreknowledge of God. God saw ahead of time that I would repent and believe, and my election is based on that foreknowledge. And we talked about uh, the use of the word hate. You know, the Bible says that God hated Esau. But did God ever love Esau? Hate doesn't mean hate in the way that you and I think of hate. God preferred one above the other because one chose him and the other one didn't. Remember, in Luke 14, Jesus told us, hey, if you want to be my disciples, we need to hate mother and father, our wife, our husband, our children, our brothers, our sisters. Does that mean that I can't love my wife? Does that mean I can't love my mother or my father? Did Jesus mean hate the way we think of hate? We must prefer Jesus above all others. Jesus needs to be number one. And when Jesus is number one, I can love my wife better than if she were number one. And I can love her with the love of the Lord. So that's why Mary likes being number two. I don't hate my wife. No, I'm supposed to love my wife like Christ loved the church. And I can't do that unless Mary is number two and Jesus is number one. We also said that the elect are the whosoever wills and the non-elect are the whosoever wants. And if you want to be saved, you can be saved. Whosoever will may come. Whoever's thirsty may come. Here was a man, Jacob, and God did not love Jacob for what he was, but he loved Jacob for what he knew he could make out of him. Because Jacob would choose him, and therefore God set upon him his sovereign love. And it is a sovereign love. And I thank God for that love. Now, he didn't have to love us. We love him because he first loved us. He chose to love us. Some here today may be in difficulty. Some here today may be in trouble. Jacob was in a lot of trouble. You read the life of Jacob, you find out not only did he get into trouble, but God sometimes engineered his trouble. <laughs> but it didn't mean that God did not love him. I read a story about a stagecoach out west. And in the stagecoach was a woman with a tiny little baby traveling across the western states, and it was very cold, and it was in Montana. And this mother began to take extra clothing from her own body. And wrap up the baby more and more because she was afraid the baby would freeze to death. And that loving mother took the shawl and the coat and everything from herself and put it around that child. And the driver of the stagecoach saw what was happening. He saw the woman as her eyes began to close, as she nodded her head to sleep, that sleep of those right before they freeze to death. And he knew something had to be done, so... He stopped the stagecoach, and he tried to wake her up, but she would not wake up. Knowing something had to be done, he ripped the baby out of her arms and threw the woman out on the ground and drove off with her baby. When she saw what happened, she jumped to her feet in the snow and said, my baby, my baby, my baby, stop, stop. And she ran. She tried to catch the stagecoach. After a while, he stopped and let her back in, and the blood was flowing and the glow is back on her face. She might have thought for a while, 
You know, that's the cruelest man I've ever known. He wasn't cruel, and sometimes we don't understand God's love. What must God do to wake you up? Jesus spoke to the church of Sardis, and we talked about this in the fall from the book of Revelation. He said, wake up. Strengthen what remains. If you don't wake up, I will come like a thief. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Sometimes it seems what God is doing is so cruel and callous. That's the way the people of God were so long ago in Malachi's day. They doubted the love of God. They doubted his love. And I want to reemphasize this love is a sovereign love. And if you're in difficulty today, don't look at circumstances to try to prove God's love. You look at God's character. Look at his character to prove his love. He loves you with a sovereign love. But not only does he love you with a sovereign love, he loves you with a strong love. And that's point number two. Notice in verse three of Malachi chapter one. But Esau I have hated, and I have turned his mountains into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. God brought judgment upon wicked people as proof of his love. Did you know that Hate is proof of love. Did you know that you really can't love without hating? I mean, think about it. I mean, you cannot have a quality without having the opposite. For example, you can't have hot without cold, right? Uh, There can be no high without a low. There can be no big without small. There can be no love without hate. And if a judge loves justice, he'll hate crime. And if a doctor loves his patients and loves health, he'll hate disease. And if people love God, they're going to hate sin. Isn't that right? I mean, if you say you love God and don't hate sin, that's not love. That's just sentimental, hypocritical love. But it's not like God's love. God said, I love Jacob, and therefore I hate those who would harm him. Remember from last week, it's not just an emotional hatred. It's a choice against all that is wrong. Romans 12, 9 says, love must be sincere. That word sincere means without hypocrisy. Sincere means without camouflage, without fraud, without pretense. In other words, let it be real. Let that love be real. And then he tells us what real love is. He says, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Folks, if you love sheep, you'll hate the killer wolves. And God says, I love Jacob, therefore I hated Esau because of what they had done to the people of God. Don't tell me you love God if you don't hate the drug traffic. Don't tell me you love God if you don't hate pornography. Don't tell me that you love babies if you don't hate abortion. Don't tell me that you're a person of love. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. That's the kind of love that God has. God's love is a sovereign love. God's love is a strong love, and it's also a steadfast love. God loves you with a steadfast love. It is not fickle. It does not change. Malachi 1 verse 4, Edom may say, though you have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. God says, I'm going to keep on acting the same way that I act. Now, Edom, I believe Edom can represent the power of Satan. 
And Edom says, hey, we're going to make a comeback here. And God says, when you come back, I'm going to knock you down. Listen, Calvary, there is a perpetual ongoing warfare against sin. There's a perpetual ongoing warfare against Satan. And if you read the book of Revelation, we already know who's going to win. Sin cannot win. And faith cannot fail. And Satan sails a sinking ship and Satan rules a doomed domain. And as you know, one of my favorite preachers, he's uh, with the Lord now. His name is E.V. Hill. And E.V. Hill said, if you have trouble sleeping at night, read the book of Revelation. You'll go right to sleep. And then he would say, the reason you'll go right to sleep is this. The devil doesn't want you to read that book because it tells of his end. And the devil is a cornered animal, and he wants to take as many people to hell with him as possible, and he will deceive the nations, the Revelation says. Listen, if you're going through trouble, if you're going through difficulty, if you think somehow that God has forsaken you, he has not. Notice that God has not finished yet. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 to 26, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. God is not finished yet. The old devil, called the ancient serpent, keeps trying to make a comeback, but he's not going to do it. There was an unknown poet who watched the waves out on the reef Breaking and then recoiling, breaking and recoiling. But he noticed even though the waves seemed to fail, the tide kept coming in. And that poet writes these words, and I put it on the back of your bulletin. On the reefs, on the far reefs, the breakers recoil in shattered foam, yet the sea behind them urges its forces home. Its chant and triumph surges through all the thunderous din. The waves may break and fail, but the tide is sure to win. And then this is what he said. Almighty sea, thy message in changing spray is cast. Within God's plans of progress, it matters not at last. How wide the shores of evil, how strong the reefs of sin. The waves may break in failure, but the tide is sure to win. And what God is saying in Malachi, Edom says we'll rebuild We're going to do this, and we're going to do that. But God says, oh, no, listen, I have indignation forever. This will be a people always under the wrath of the Lord. And if you doubt God's love because you're in trouble, just wait a while, folks. Just wait a while. The tide is coming in. The tide is sure to win. The kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever and ever. One last thing I want to say about God's mighty love. Not only is it a sovereign love, and not only is it a strong love, and not only is it a steadfast love, but this mighty love of God, it's a seeking love. Verse 5 of Malachi chapter 1, you will see it with your own eyes and say, great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. Do you get it? Beyond the borders of Israel. What is God saying? This love is not just for the Jew. This love is not just for Jacob. 
This love is for all people. Look at Malachi 1 and verse 11. My name will be great among the nations, among the Gentiles. Hey, that's us, folks. That's us beyond the border of Israel. I say hallelujah. My name will be great among the nations from the rising to the setting of the sun. That is in every place. There is no place where God's love does not seek. I mean, people of all shapes and sizes and people of all colors and conditions and circumstances and classes and all characters and all companies. God loves you. God loves you. And I love that verse in Ephesians 3, 18 and 19 where the apostle Paul is praying for the saints and he says that you might have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge The old King James Version says that you might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. In the Inquisition, they found a prison where a man carved in the stone a cross. And at the left hand of the cross... Near the bruised and bleeding heart of God, he had written breath. And over there at the right hand, you know, the right hand of omnipotence, he rules the world, he had written length. And then down there at those bloody, pierced feet that walked the burning halls of hell for us, he had written depth. And above that thorn-crowned head, he had written height. And that Calvary is the dimensions of God's love. There is no one that he doesn't love. East, west, north, south. A man may go to hell unsaved, but he'll not go to hell unloved. And if you want to be saved, you can be saved. This love is a sovereign love. It's a strong love. It's a steadfast love. And it's a seeking love. So Calvary, don't you let circumstances or Satan ever cause you to doubt the love of God. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you so much for the gospel, Lord. I thank you for your love, Lord, and that you want us to love you back. Lord, I thank you that you chase us down, not to punish us for what we've done, but to save us from what we've done, Lord, and I pray if there's anyone here right now that has never given their life to you and committed their life to you, Lord Jesus, I pray that they would. Even right now, maybe even pray with me. You know, God, I'm so sorry that I've said no to you so many times. Lord, that I've gone my own way, that I really haven't loved you with my whole heart, and I just want to say thank you, God, that you sent your only son for me that you demonstrated your love for me and that while I was still a sinner, you died for me. And I just say, please forgive me. Please come into my heart. Please make me a new creation. If any man is in Christ, he's a brand new creation. So God, I pray that many people even today would say yes to you so that they could say in their heart of hearts, you know, it is well with my soul. It is so well with my soul because God loves me, Jesus died for me, and I said yes.
It's in your name, Lord, we pray. Amen.